whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey there, friends. Karen Pennington here. And you know, children amaze me. Uh, Over here in the United States, they had a show that just came back over and over and over again. It was called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And uh, whoever the host was, there's been three or four of them, I think, who would just sit and start chatting with the kids and the things that would come out of their mouths mostly would just be really funny. Often would be just a little embarrassing to the parents because the way that (laughs) the family stuff came out. Uh, And sometimes the funniest things about it is there was just such an air of truth because it's like the filter that we learned to have as an adult came down. And sometimes we need that filter. Sometimes maybe we don't want to be so brash. But then there's just the sense of purity and the sense of that's it. That's exactly what it is when you talk to the children because you don't have that facade or that pretense as much. That's it's definitely something we learn in life. Well, I was amazed in a little bit of a different way uh, a couple days ago talking to a very young believer I know. I mean, very young, like uh, grade school, under the age of 10 believer. She's kind of just sitting in a corner as I walked in and very, very sad and she, I mean, her head was down. She was definitely like, what was me? Very sad. And I talked to her a little bit and I guess she had had just a tiny tiff with some of her friends and she was just so sad. And we had talked a little bit more and really her friends had moved on, but she was still first. She thought they hadn't forgiven her, but she was just genuinely dealing with guilt. She was so sad about how yeah, she'd been very mean to her friends and she just couldn't get over her feeling bad about things and so um I was trying to help her see truth and I I did one of those things that I I sometimes do when I'm talking to a child and I really really want them to understand uh you know about receiving God's gifts about these eternal gifts of God that a child should know and I just I'm sure I started talking too much I'm sure I started getting too like theological like maybe I'm I should be maybe I should be saying this to a college student in religious studies not you know, an eight, nine-year-old child. Uh, but I started talking about forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. And I'm, I was afraid that I was, lo- I'm like sitting here kind of almost standing. I was like almost watching myself in a way going, what am I saying? I'm talking too much. Talk- receiving God's forgiveness and free gift, but you have to accept it. And, you know, all this was true, but it was pretty confusing. It wasn't very simple. And then she just, her eyes lit up. It kind of went like a, like my eyes do a lot. I realized I raised my eyelashes a lot. But I mean, it's like her eyes got double the side. And she said, I know what I need to do. And she just, kind of with my jaw dropped over the next minute or so, she dropped her head, closed her eyes and said, in the name of Jesus, I pin the spirit of grief and I pin the spirit of guilt and shame and I reject them 
and Jesus, I don't believe them. I don't believe them. And um, of course, I'm paraphrasing. And then she kind of cupped her hands and said, Jesus, I want to receive your truth. And she said, tell me your truth. And she just sat there for a second and give me what you want. I want to, I'm, I'm holding my hands out so I can receive what you want to give me. And she like actually listened. She waited a second and listened. And then words came out of her mouth like joy and peace and understanding and love. And um, of course, me wanting to be the authority and really mostly to help, I... I added a few things. I added, you know, forgiveness, and I prayed for her and said, God, help her know how loved she is, help her to forgive herself. And, um, But honestly, she did most of the work, and she had a much greater amount of uh, wisdom in that case, I'd say, than I would. And she um, stood up. I mean, this is somebody who was like, it felt like the end of the world, downtrodden. You would have thought that she lost a friend or a dog or something. I mean, she was just so sad. She was completely inconsolable. And she'd been that way for a while. And um, her entire countenance changed. It was like, she said, okay, I remember. I don't have to receive this. I don't have to receive this lie. And God tells me to, to take something else. So that, and she totally changed. And I said, you know, you can stay here if you want. Or do you want to, she said, oh, no, I want to play with my friend. She totally changed, walked away. Everything was different. And, um, it absolutely amazed me because she did what we're supposed to do when we're struggling with things. She rejected the thought. She decided she was going to choose who and what she was going to believe. And then she listened to God. Then she believed him. Um, oh, oh, for the faith of a child. And I've been in classes and I've been in coaching where we've talked about you know, getting a handle of our thoughts. We've talked about choosing what we need to believe. We've talked about sometimes emotions... You know, we can listen to our emotions in a way so that we know where we're at, but we don't let them rule us. And she absolutely did that better than almost anybody I've ever seen. Um, I know her parents taught her to do that. She's very good parents. Um, but she did it. And here's a small child who usually, you know, you're like, sometimes you think of children, you think petty, you think they get upset about dumb things. You, you can be very critical of them, but... What, I, what there was there was a purity of faith that, you know, where sometimes you might say a child is immature and they can't handle these things. What really happened was her parents told her something about God and she believed it. And her parents told her, you have this authority, no matter who you are, who how young you are, you have an authority to say, I don't want to believe this, so I choose not to believe this. This is a bad thing to believe. And you have the ability to hear God's voice. And she, right in front of my face, more real to me than almost <laughs> any prayer I've ever seen, you know, a transformational prayer. You saw, you heard her listening to God and you heard her taking control of her authority of who she was in Christ. And you know what? As I got her parents' permission to share name name with someone else. And I'm not, I'm not sharing her name right now, but you better believe probably as long as I live, I'm going to remember that and I'm going to share that because that's such a great example of this authority that God gives us. God gives us an authority. And so many times we go, who am I? I can't do that. I can't, you know, heal someone. Even the Bible says we have the authority to heal. I, I can't speak life to someone. I can't lead someone to Christ. I can't stop thinking this. I can't stop doing this. And, um, this faith of a child she said well mom said I can dad said I can God said I can't so 
why would I even question it? I'm just going to do it. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And I think of the church of Thessalonica, uh, I'm really, you know, taking this journey through Paul's missionary journeys, that Apostle Paul who wrote a good bit of the New Testament and was a huge missionary who persecuted the church for a while and then really became one of the greatest persecuted, super supremely persecuted by others because he found Jesus and he really was instrumental in planting the church throughout what is now Greece and Turkey, but really that went through the whole world, through Europe and then the whole world. Um, so he was having a really hard go of it um, once he came into Europe. I'll tell you what, when you go new places with the gospel, Satan will absolutely throw things against you. I know there are people out there, anybody's listening here from different countries, um, but even somebody who's planted a church, uh, Satan will come against you. There are enemies of the gospel, and if you're gaining ground, you're probably going to be attacked. You're still more than a conqueror, but I'm not probably. It's not even a matter matter of if, but when and how. And I have a friend whose father planted the first Christian church in um, the city that was the birthplace of Mormonism. And you want to talk about spiritual oppression and very physical oppression. And there was so much joy in it, as Paul had, but there was just a lot of fighting and a lot of backlash and, and that sort of thing. And um, so Paul went into Europe. The first city he went in, he couldn't find a synagogue. This was um, Philippi. Uh, he had made a stopover, but he wasn't really preaching there, just kind of a to stay overnight. But the first city he really started preaching in, couldn't find a synagogue, couldn't find a man, really. Um, finally got a convert and then got, um, in Philippi, just got oppressed, uh, physically oppressed. Like this young girl with a spirit, with an evil spirit, was following him around town. And when he finally got annoyed and cast it out, um, he was publicly beaten, stripped, totally illegal. He was a Roman citizen, so they weren't supposed to do that. They stripped him, they beat him, they um, totally humiliated or at least tried to humiliate him and his friend, and then with open sores after whipping. This isn't just whipping. This is like whipping with a cat and nine tails, which is a scourge, which means that they had things in there that would rip your flesh away from your bone. So they were like clothingless. Um, I don't know if you want to say shameless or full of shame. I don't know that they felt the shame, but they were shamed. They had been shamed. They had, you know, had to have open sores from this. And nobody addressed him and then thrown into this dirty dungeon and put into chains. Chains are hard enough if you don't have anything else going on but if you're weak and you have open sores you don't want dirty metal on them you certainly don't want to sit on a dirty floor and um and there were earthquakes and then you know after everything even after the city officials knew they were wrong and that they had dealt with a roman citizen which could have gotten them in trouble they just said leave you got kicked out of town um so he spent a little bit of time there and but then left and so the second city he went to was Thessalonica and this is the Thessalonians and he he at least gotten to spend a little bit of time in uh in Philippi a little bit um and had a little bit um the person who started the church there had connections back in Asia so she could get some help so he goes to Thessalonica and for three weeks on the Sabbath so it would be three Saturdays he preached in the synagogue he didn't really make much headway with the Jews because he always went to the Jews first and, um, excuse me, he didn't make much headway there, but he did, not many Jews believed, but a lot of Greeks believed, and even the prominent women, which meant the women with the money and the influence believed. 
So he did actually make a little bit, but, you know, the Jews were supposed to be the people of God. They were supposed to be the people supporting this truth because their Messiah and their Savior had come, and it was the exact opposite. They got super, super jealous of Paul. Super jealous of Paul. So they got very infantile. This is this was something that happened a lot, I guess, in the Roman world because we see it a lot through the New Testament. Uh, they started a riot. They... Um, Threw the person who was hosting him in jail. The false accusations. It was just a horrible, horrible thing. Eventually, they had to post bail, but they were causing a lot of trouble. They were stirring things up. They were causing people to be disturbed. They were give, throwing these false accusations, saying, oh, he's talking about a king other than Caesar. Well, they were looking for the king to overthrow Caesar. Jews were looking for the king who would overthrow Caesar. And some of them were upset that Jesus hadn't overthrown Caesar. He was talking about ruling a kingdom that wasn't of this world. and But then they just turned it right around and made it sound like Paul was preaching something that he wasn't. And ultimately, he had to leave Thessalonica for his own life. But it would have been kind of like, like this little girl I talked to. He was leaving spiritual infants, spiritual toddlers, people that he hadn't had a chance to teach much Um they say he may have only spent that, those three Sabbaths. It's, there's a good chance that he really only spent about three weeks in Thessalonica. And if you think about it, some of those people came to God that third week. So we're talking to people who have had three lessons. Can you imagine somebody going into the ministry after three lessons and knowing nothing about God beforehand or trying to worship or trying to be in a church? And he had to leave them for his own life and go ultimately to Athens. Now, Athens is about a... 313 mile trip away from Thessalonica 509 kilometers that would be five hours in a car if you were going 70 miles or 112 kilometers per hour um, in a car this is a couple millennia before car so um so he uh I mean he was probably a good I would say several days at least weeks trip away from them and he had to leave it's, it's like leaving your infant child in the care of someone you don't know and he knew this was dangerous i couldn't even stay in thessalonica this is a dangerous place and these jews they know more about the old testament they're going to influence them they're going to influence the greeks they're going to change them they like i can't even imagine as as a mother thinking about my child who I cannot protect being here. And it was driving him. I mean, really, he said he could bear it no more. He had, now, Paul often, when he established a church, particularly somewhere where there wasn't good teaching, he would stay there for a very, very long time. He stayed in Corinth at least a year and a half. They say he may have stayed in Ephesus up to three years. Um, he would stay there a good bit of time. And I think there were times where, where there were other people who could leave there. Or if there were somewhere where there was somebody who knew scriptures and studied the scriptures and knew the Old Testament, um, they could teach a little bit more because they knew the things it would say about the Messiah. But this was a town where the people who knew the scriptures were twisting them. So it was worse than having no one there who knew the scriptures because they were twisting them. And he was very, very scared. And... Um, so we finally sent Timothy back, and it was kind of a heightened version of, of my experience with this, you know, eight-year-old girl that I talked to. She said, um, your work produced faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
we continually remember before our God and Father. We remember that. He, he was so worried. And he got this great report from his friend Timothy, who could go back safely, who he thought would have to do all of this damage control, because here are these young infant people being influenced by these very corrupt religious people who were just motivated out of jealousy and twisting God's words, and they were going to be gone. But what happened was the exact opposite. They took the few things they heard from Paul, and they believed him, and they believed God. And that not only fortified them it fortified a whole region it said um, this is first thessalonians 1 starting verse 7 and so you became a model to all the believers in macedonia and achaia the lord's message rang out from you not only in macedonia and achaia your faith in god has become known everywhere therefore we do not need to say anything about it for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us they tell how you turn to god from idols to serve the living and true God and wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now a lot of Paul's letters end up having a lot of instruction about how believers may need to do different um, or how they might need to watch up or be careful or turn a little bit from this or you forgot this. And what he was saying to the Thessalonians who were these new babes in Christ was, just keep doing what you're doing. And there was a lot of encouragement because there was persecution. But as much as Paul had to fight and fight and fight, particularly in Europe, you know, he was just barely in Europe, to get people to listen to him, to get people to not try to kill him, there's a purity about this. And no, I don't think anyone saw it coming that not only fortified the church in Thessalonica, but it spread. It spread. Now, I want to let you know, the church in Thessalonica was on a very major trade route. It was actually, there was a dual trade route. You had something called the Appian Way, and then you had something called the Etruscan Way that was separated by the um, Adriatic Sea. But basically between these two, it was kind of a line that you had to go in the middle of the sea first. There was the Appian Way, and then you go over the Adriatic Sea and Etruscan Way, and it connected the two major cities in the empire. It connected um, Rome which is the major city in the east, I'm sorry, in the west, with uh, Istanbul or Constantinople in the, in the east. So what does that mean? What it means is people travel there from all over. Thessalonica was a major city right on a port that was halfway, like the halfway point of, um, of this Etruscan way. And so what happened was this simple faith in a town where they may have heard three sermons, four sermons, you know, in a town where they didn't know much, in a town where the people that should have been teaching them were using God's word against them um, to try to confuse them, a town where they didn't really have a leader there because they all got run out of town and where they had every reason, you know, like the parable of the seeds for their faith to be choked, something took root so deeply in them as these I mean, it's hard to find Christians that are younger in the faith that not only did their own self fortify, it went through the empire. I've, I have no doubt that it got all the way back over to Rome, that it got across that sea. And I have no doubt that it got all the way over to close to where it would be kind of like USSR now, Russia, Georgia, from Rome to Russia, you know, that it went that far. 
he mentioned two different regions. He mentioned Macedonia, which would have been where they lived in Achaia, which would have been the next region over. But it said it came to him everywhere. Friends, let's not discount the faith of a child. Let's not discount the power of just simply believing God and taking him at his word. We complicate things so much. I complicate things so much. And sometimes I put my little theological words in, not that there's not a place for them, and I just want to say it. And, you know, like talking to my friend, I wanted to tell her the theology of receiving God's gifts. Um, and, you know, all the stuff that made her think right. And she simply said, I don't have to believe this. I can say no to this thought and I can say yes to God and I can listen to God and he'll tell me what I need to know. If there's anyone out there who hasn't met the Lord yet, in my brain I have so many different complicated ways of telling you how to know you're saved and how to get into the grace of God. But it really is as simple as this. Just ask. Jesus, I need you. Right this moment. Jesus, I need you. Talk to me and listen. Nobody's going to talk to you. Tell me what to do, God. I'll do it. Just listen. We find lots of reasons why that may not work. For the faith of my little friend and for the Thessalonians. If you feel like you're powerless, that you can't help, just say, Jesus, use me. Do you know how powerful it is? When you ask God to help and you believe he will. When you ask God to lead you and then you listen and do what he says. And sometimes we feel like God's not talking to us. But the reality is we're not listening and doing what we know sometimes. We say, God, what am I supposed to do in my life? What am I supposed to And we're looking for these big things. Who am I supposed to marry? What job am I supposed to have? And... But what we're ignoring is the be nice to the person next to you. Forgive that person in your life. Just start with what you know. See, this is what the Thessalonians did. All they had was the few things they knew. Just a few things. But when they were faithful with the little that they knew, God increased their influence. God increased their power. God fortified them. So that's my prayer and that's my challenge today. If you're feeling like I can't hear God, God can't use me, I feel powerless. Start with what you know. Write it down. What do I know about God? What do I know for sure that God wants me to do? And don't, you don't have to be complicated about it. I know that God wants me to go to work today. I know my God, God wants me to be kind. I got a little bit more. I have somebody who wanted to talk to me about a problem there. I know God wants me to talk to them. You know, I know God wants me to pray. God wants me to, it might even be something as simple as God wants me to feed myself well. Just write it down. Or maybe just talk to a little kid or a new Christian. God will guide you. God will guide me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the faith of Thessalonians. Thank you for reminding us, God, that we can worry so much. And sometimes the very people that we worry about as being weak or powerless or even unwise, they're the ones that lead us because they don't have that complication in their life yet. They're not weighed down by the details. Lord, help us not to be weighed down by the details. 
Um, sometimes we have to think about them, but help us really to just be keep re, being recentered with that very truth that we tell the children that you love us, that you want to guide us, that you can give us protection and fortification, and that when hard times come, you can help us, Lord. That when we ask things according to your will, that you're going to give it to us. God, help us return to that. If there's someone who doesn't know you today, Lord, just give them the words to cry out, Jesus, help me, and then meet them, God, because we know you can. Just amaze us, God. We want to glorify you. We want to honor you. And God, honestly, I'd love to have that faith like the Thessalonians, one that doesn't just point to me or how smart I am or whatever, how smart I think I am, (laughs) but one that points to you because just the simple gospel I just infect everyone with your truth. May it inoculate people to the lies, Lord. Your name, amen. Be blessed. Find truth. Receive it like a child. Be holy. God bless everyone.